0: The platform Step up
1: And speak out
2: The station is the FM Stereo My station, your station uh, The hottest radio in town Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, thursday uh the monday i beg your pardon the 30th of may uh, that is uh, the year being 2022 uh, sorry for delay we're just having problems with the Glem- Glem- gremlins getting the show started and uh the show to the platform today is uh, held in partnership with the Nas- national Transitional justice working group and what we're looking at is mental mental health as a social justice issue and it's linked to the transitional ju- uh, justice process. I've got a very great panel that's joining me for this particular conversation. And just to give you a quick uh, background, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe's history is what with the repression that resulted in various epochs of violence and this history of conflict and violence dates to the colonial era and subsequent uh, liberation war and also in times afterwards. And what we're going to do today is we're going to discuss issues around this particular issue. And also uh, pertaining to a, the launch of a document uh, that is that a, a report that talks about the importance of issues of this nature. And the first person I'm going to talk to uh, to join us in the conversation, Dr. Kodawashi Muchena, who is an NTGJWG consultant. Uh, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you very much. Uh, good good evening, viewers. Good evening, listeners.
2: So the first question I'm going to ask is: What is the purpose of the report? And uh, I also explain to us how mental health uh, is a social justice issue and what is linked to transitional justice uh, is.
3: Uh, thank you very much for the question. I think uh, we, if you try and bring in the issue of it, is that uh, the issue to do with mental health and transitional justice is, is these are two things, or these are two aspects of uh, of our society that has never been brought together in terms of in terms of in terms of understanding how things work, psychologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, clinical social workers, and those who are involved in transitional justice, peace builders, and so forth, they've never had an opportunity to actually work together in, in trying to, to, to create a, a just society. Firstly, because they come from different worlds. Psychologists, psychiatrists, they believe in 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 that science. And peace builders also, they believe that they've got their own way of of looking at things from a tra- from a peace building perspective so so there's never been a point where these two these two groups of professionals uh, have been involved in working together to come up with a holistic approach to 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 transitional justice and uh i think this has been um this has resulted in what i would call cycles of uh, of, of injustice or cycles of uh, of of, uh, of of human rights violations if you like what you have said, you have given a background to say the, pre, the, the pre-colonial era, going into the post-colonial era, and so forth. And, and you look at the violence that that are being um, that are being experienced experience in our society uh, across 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 from uh, from the 80s up to up, up to now. And you ask yourself, why is it we've never had mental health professionals being involved in transitional justice programming, and why is it? Transitional justice program peace builders have never extended their, 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 their way of doing things to mental health so that they can together build a, a comprehensive team and, and that's, that's, that, that speaks to, to what we did. The report basically speaks to that integration between mental health and peace building. You can't have peace when the mental health of the victims are not, are not, are not assisted. When national justice tells you that when there's injustice that happens, there is need to seek justice and justice will be found. But it doesn't talk much about what happens if, uh, the, if, if the injustice is mental. How, does, how can that be assisted or, or how can that be helped? So this, this report basically brings together the role of, of, of mental health professionals and the role of transitional justice professionals to try and come together and find a common ground where they can help in in a, in, a, in a way to achieve total just, total justice or to try to achieve sustainable peace
2: oh seven three one one six eight zero four five to get in touch with me in the studio and uh also this uh program is being streamed on our facebook pages go to facebook.com forward slash zfm stereo uh the, the the idea of uh issues of mental health and and trauma and so forth going from one generation to the other. something I want to ask Dr. Herbert Zirima about. Can trauma be passed on from one generation to the other?
0: Yes. uh, uh, Thank you so much um, for, for raising that issue. Yes, trauma can be passed from one generation to the other, you know, in what we call intergenerational trauma. So in intergenerational trauma, we're saying um, when parents or or other older people experience a traumatic event uh, that is so overwhelming and it's unresolved, uh, it has impacted their life significantly, it can be transmitted to their children and their children's children for generations to come. So like what Dr. Mchena was uh, highlighting when he was talking about things that happened before independence, just after independence. You see people talking about them. You see people talking vividly about uh, Ukura Wundi as if they were part of it, but they were never part of it. They it has been passed to them by their fathers, by their grandfathers. You know that's that's intergenerational. They didn't have to experience it It vicariously, passed to them because um, it has never been resolved. They've heard stories of. Serious things that happen, bad things that have happened to their parents, and they carry it carries on yeah, to their to the, to the children and their children's children.
2: And uh, still speaking the same vein, uh, Doctor Zirima, the the. the, the how is this from the parents talking or is it from a culture of fear or maybe the do the parents see the fear in the apparent uh, or rather the, do the children see uh, the, the 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 fear in the parents how does it manifest to the children so that children uh, sort of inherit and take on some of that trauma
0: mm. so it is passed on through face through narratives by narratives remain through storytelling so the parents tell their children what has happened and of course sometimes It's biased storytelling. Sometimes it's it's only fair. Um, One through is also through uh, learning, social learning and observation. See, so the parents, the children observe what their parents go through. They see the fear, the anxiety that they experience and they've seen um, how the parents were trying to cope with all the bad things that were happening. And of course, uh, eh, besides the observation, and 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 the storytelling and uh they, they also read about it you know they they also read about it and they know and they, and they understand that some of these things have never been resolved and still and so they carry the the, the pain they carry the the anger and the bitterness from their parents from their ancestors and uh, so 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 it, it becomes very important that trauma is resolved uh, collectively you know from uh from, from from the people who experience it uh, up, to, up to their children so that we avoid uh, intergenerational trauma.
2: So if, in case you're wondering who Dr. Herbert Zirima is, he is a, psych, a psychologist, so he knows what he's talking about, knows in his fires, uh, the kind of what trauma can do. Before I ask another question to Dr. Michena, of course, you, Dr. Zirima, I want to go to Alice Kovea, who is a Chitungweza resident uh, Uh, Trust executive director. Again, this program is brought to you in partnership with the National Transitional Justice Working Group Uh, The question I want to ask is from a survivor's perspective. How can your experience of human rights violations? uh, Have they they affected your mental health? Trying to get uh, Alice Cuvier on in the discussion. Okay, why well, we we'll try to get her to get involved in the discussion? I'm going to come back to uh, the um, to good uh, doctor Kudakwashe M- uh, Muchena. Uh, what is the current state of mental health as a social justice issue in Zimbabwe? Uh,
3: yeah, thank you very much for for the question. The issue at the moment is that uh, there's there's a devoid uh, uh, programming in terms of mental health and, and and transitional justice or social justice, if you if you want to say it that way. Because mental health experts believe, uh, or they act the way they do, because they want to help society. But, but uh, to, to to a larger extent, uh, their role in, in transitional justice is not being pronounced. Research is shown that we can't have sustainable peace, or we can't have sustainable justice without without dealing with the trauma that people experience. The same, uh, just like what uh, Doctor Zirim was saying. The, the issue of transitional of intergenerational trauma is because of unresolved mental health issues. But from a from a, a peace building perspective, you may say that uh, there's peace in Matibela, there's peace in everywhere. So why then do you talk about mental health? But the question is, the reason why we have, we have this vicious cycle of, of of violence in our societies might be a, a, a basis for mental for for that unresolved trauma in our societies. So mental health plays a key key role in terms of. for for society to be able to achieve sustainable peace
2: and so when we we look at that uh, you're saying that one of the reasons when you talk about unresolved issues it's easy for me to say what unresolved issues are from a a almost elite point of view can I teach you uh, my unresolved issues what exactly are we talking about we're talking about reparations is, is it anything specific that's what I wanted to ask
3: it's, it's it's a broad perspective. It's it's, it's not something you know. As I can give you a good good example where, from a from a cultural perspective, if someone dies in your family, they are buried. But but if you look at if look at the Gokuraundi issue for for example, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of families who are not able to bury their loved ones. They don't know where they are buried so that in itself is, is, is keeps haunting them so until and unless that is resolved until and unless they see closure in terms of understanding what happened to their loved ones they still have that bitterness that 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 anger in them and it carries it carries like what dr remains said it it's carried on from generation to generation i tell a story about how my father passed away Well, i was i didn't I wasn't able to to bury my father or my my grandparents then I, I pass it on, on to, my, to, my, to, my, to my children and my children's children also who keep telling the same story that our great-grandfather was not buried because of uh, this thing. And, and that anger and trauma will always continue to hound them. So unless and until that is addressed, we still have this kind of uh, cycle of, of, of violence in our society.
2: 0731 this program is brought to you in partnership with the National Transitional Justice Working Group Zimbabwe And uh, we are discussing this very important topic here on the, top, uh, on the platform And I think I'm going to try and get uh, Aris, Alice Kovea, uh, who's from Chitungwea's uh, uh, Residence uh, Trust Executive Director The uh, question I want to ask is, uh, from a survivor's uh, perspective, how has your experience of mental rights violations affected your mental health?
1: Uh, okay, thank you very much, everyone. I hope you can hear me properly. Uh, my name is Alice Kouvea and I'm the Executive Director at Chitunguiza Residence Trust, trust Um Myself, I would say, uh, since my arrest last year in June, after I applied for a high court order to stop the illegal demolitions that were taking place in Chitunguiza, uh, I was arrested on the 14th of June and uh, after my arrest, on my first appearance I met my father who I could just read that he, uh, he was affected. Uh, first and foremost, I would also like to say that I'm the only daughter in my family of five. So when my father first saw me, uh, on my first appearance in court in Chitungwiza, he was troubled. And uh, after two weeks, he actually just died. So to me, after this, it really affected my work, my thinking. I, I honestly can't move on. I just sometimes I, I got angry just like that. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes, you know, hash. I can't take my father from my profile. I'm sending messages uh, on the 23rd. It was my 23rd this May. It was my birthday, but I couldn't celebrate my birthday. Instead, I was mourning my father. I had to go and look uh, to his gravesite. So these violations to me, uh, I never thought this could happen. Why? Because, like what I said, I am a, a, a director representing residents. And what I was doing, if I was wrong, I would not have won the case in High Court to stop this illegal demolition. Myself, I believe I'm the voice of the voiceless residents, the voice of the voiceless informal traders. So, after my arrest, I couldn't understand what's going on. Yes, I had lawyers from Zimbabwe Lawyers for Human Rights who were standing up for me. But honestly speaking, for me, I was shocked. I was in shock. Up to now, I I have tried by all means to get counseling. And I'm actually afraid. I don't know. That's what is happening to me. I'm just afraid. Sometimes I just feel like uh, I'm being followed. Sometimes I have nightmares of the arrest and all what happened there. So... This is what is happening to me. And uh, as a leader, uh, uh, as trust, we've got over 65,000 membership in our in our database. And these people, they will be expecting you to be strong. So when I'm out, I pretend that all is well. I laugh, I stand up and talk, give speeches, facilitate programs, all and all, But inside me, I bottle all my anger, but sometimes I just burst out. And the other thing that happened after the death of my father, because uh, he had high blood pressure, and everyone, you know, the members of the family just thought, I caused the, the death of my father. If you didn't do this, uh, uh, I caught order. order, I caught order, die. You know those things is now happening to me from the family side but put in this i'm a leader and i'm actually grooming other leaders and i'm leading other people but for me who is seeing what is happening to me so this is the situation that i have
2: okay first of all was very very sorry to you about your plight I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank
1: you so much. And I was helped and I'm still getting some counseling from CSU, uh, some from NGO forum as well. So these are the people that are helping me and also some medicals because I was
2: hit during my arrest. So I'm also getting some medical attention from the hospital. 0731 And remember that this show is being streamed on our Facebook pages. Go to facebook.com for slash ZFM stereo and take part in the discussion. I will come to you, Dr. Zirima. Uh, we, we, uh, some of the symptoms I've heard of the symptoms of uh, trauma and it's, it's a very touching story that we heard from uh, Alice Kuvea. Uh, now we look at this this is one thing we don't talk about sometimes we talk about it being from one parent to the other when the parents go away and so forth but it works the other way when the trauma is sometimes the child uh, the parent seeing their child go through something and that affects the parent Uh, so in in your professional opinion what is the importance of a functional mental health system in such cases
0: Mm -hmm. thank you so so functional mental health system will provide, uh, first of all, it will provide opportunities for, for people that have been, that have faced traumatic experiences to, to get closure, you know, to get closure. We are saying the psychologists will be there to assist the person whom we refer to as the client to get to understand what the, what, you know, what, what they've experienced, what it all means. And, uh, try to find means to close the missing gaps, you know, because most people who go through traumatic experiences, like what uh, the survivor was saying in Dokam was saying, you know, they are a lot of missing gaps that will need uh, the therapist, uh, counselor, psychologist, whatever, to assist, you know, the client in, in identifying that. So, so we need a functional mental health system, that addresses uh traumatic i mean events that that technology is in the first place that whenever we whenever we face traumatic experiences usually through political violence and even natural disasters there's need to attend to the mental health needs of those people because uh, people people get seriously disturbed and uh, they get seriously disturbed in invisible means you know because uh most of these traumatic experiences that we are talking about are not visible. They cannot be seen by the naked eye. And people don't see that the person is suffering, but indeed they will will be suffering. So so therapy will help the person to to, to get closure. And also therapy will will help uh, the the, the person who has been affected to recognize that there's nothing wrong with them. Because the problem that, that happens usually with people who experience trauma is that they begin to feel as if they are dirty, as if there's something wrong with them. Why, why, why me? Why did it happen to me? That's the question that they'll be asking. And as a result, they end up thinking that there's something wrong with them. So the therapist will be there to provide, to provide assurance to the victim or to the survivor that, no, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. This is something that has just happened, but it doesn't mean that you, you, you are cursed or something bad with you or, you know, because again, you see, Sometimes people will end up stigmatizing the survivors or victims of or whatever is it political violence or whatever. So because of those stigma, a person begins to think that there's probably something wrong with them. So the therapist in a functional mental health system is there to assure that the survivor that you know there's nothing wrong with you. You know you can you can move on with your life. So so one of the things again that uh, the therapy do is to help the survivor to, to reclaim control of their life to reclaim control to see that they can actually move on with their life without attaching uh, you know in, without being attached to, to to the negative events that is, that, that 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 have happened uh, in their life and also to to learn coping skills so 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 in a mental health functional mental health system counselors and psychologists and social workers should, uh, should assist you know victims or survivors of uh, traumatic events with uh, learning skills, with the uh, coping skills so that they can move on with their life without uh, continually being attached or without continually being distorted by the negative uh, or traumatic uh, event that will, that would will uh, that would happen. They are likelihoods of triggers you know when someone is experienced trauma, there will be a lot of triggers that come in their lives. Whenever something that is related to what has happened happens, the person is likely to be triggered. To, you know, to feel like they are already in that same state. I'll give you an example from a natural disaster perspective. Some somebody who experienced uh, probably you know the, the, the cyclone die floods. Whenever it rains, they are likely to get into a panic mode. Somebody who was a victim of political violence. Whenever, whenever you know whenever there is noise in the street they are likely to be triggered into into a panic mode so the therapist the psychologist or the counselor is there to to separate the person from all those triggers so they understand that those things can just happen but it doesn't have to affect your life so overall what I'm saying is that we need a, a functional mental health system from the grassroots level from a primary health care center that is to say When people go to clinics, the polyclinics, the district clinics, everywhere, there should be mental health screening at all those levels to assist people who have been uh, through traumatic events, whether politically motivated or by natural disaster or whatever, everybody should get to a point where they are screened to see that if they are not affected in a way by all these things that have been happening in our lives. Uh, from before independence, you know, we are talking about war veterans here. who have been through the war. They also have post-traumatic, you know, stress disorders from the war. People who have been through Bupura wounded. People have been through Operation and even the natural disasters. They all need to be screened from our mental health, from our primary healthcare centers to our provincial healthcare centers, and you know, up to the national level. And does that fall out of psychotherapy? Yes, that's that that's psychotherapy that we are talking about. So you need to provide psychotherapy, and you need to provide counseling.
2: And uh, coming back to you, to uh, Doctor Machena, are there any gaps and challenges and opportunities for the promotion of mental health in a, uh, a victim-centric manner?
3: Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, gaps in, in terms of in terms of in mental health. Like I said. Uh, you know, you can't talk of social justice without involving mental health. There are a lot of people who are working with trauma in in our societies. The fact that there's peace at the moment doesn't mean that that mental that trauma was healed. So there are a lot of there are a lot of gaps that are there, and and gaps in themselves create also opportunities. And I think one of the things that we need to be to be to be to work on is is the integration of services from from the from the non governmental organisation. To the government and and also to international organizations. The National Peace and Reconciliation Commission in itself should have an integrated mental health and psychosocial support system within its services. The same applies to civil society. They also need to have a mental health and psychosocial support program within their peace building processes and I, I, I think I, I I want to applaud the, the National Transitional Justice Authority working group for coming up with this initiative. This is something that we really need as a society to say, let's integrate our services into one. It doesn't it doesn't take uh, peace builders alone to 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 have sustainable peace, but it also takes. You can't have a sustainable peace without looking at the mental health challenge, challenges that society faces. The reason why we are still talking about War veterans having been victims of trauma and experience still experiencing post traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and so forth is because we never, although we address the peace, uh, the political stability of the country, we never take it upon ourselves to address the mental health state of the of, war of, of, of veterans. The same applies to victims of Gukura Wunde. the same applies to, to other victims. Brambatsuna and 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 the natural disasters, the cyclones and so forth. Now we are looking at we are sitting with another client. Alice is just a recent victim of 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 of, of her trauma, and she has not been she has not been assisted. So, in itself, it speaks to the need for mental health to be part of to be the to be part of any social justice program that you think of. It must be integral that any social justice programming that. Anyone thinks of doing, whether it's government or it's private sector or civil society, it must integrate mental health into it. And there are mental health professionals that are ready to to work with, with 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 peace builders. There are mental health professionals that are in position to work with peace builders across across all all divides. And I think this is something that I I challenge uh, our, our our colleagues in the peace building uh, framework or in traditional justice framework to say: let's bring, let's come together, let's work together. As professionals, and develop a comprehensive uh, social justice program for 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 victims. In that way, possibly we we'll, we'll look, we we'll look, we we'll, we'll get, we we'll have a better society. Look at look at for example, uh, what happened in Rwanda. Rwanda has become a peaceful country because of they've gone through a transitional justice process, which included a mental health aspect in it. South Africa has also done the same. support. so why not Zimbabwe? Why not ask having to look at through that and say. What can we do as a society to be able to integrate our, our peace building efforts, combine it with the mental health aspects to, to, for us to have sustainable peace? So these cycles of, of, of violence might at, the, at some stage come to an end.
2: 731 oh, 168045, that's our WhatsApp number. We are streaming this uh, program here uh, on our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash ZFM Stereo. This program is brought to you in partnership with the nat- uh, National Transitional Justice Working Group. I'm going to come back to uh, An- Alice Kovea, uh, was the Chit- uh, Chitunga's uh, Residence uh, Trust Executive Director, uh, told us a very st- uh, touching story earlier. The question that I'll ask is, the National Peace and Reconciliation Commission as a victim support and healing and reconciliation department, where victims and survivors can access counseling services. Do you know about this? And were you able to get any assistance from the NPRC?
1: Uh, thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, at that time, I didn't know about uh, their services until when I was in hospital. That's when I was told by someone, a person who knew about them. But uh, up to now, I haven't
2: visited them. Uh, do you feel this is an issue of access, or is it an issue of do you feel you can't trust them, or why is it that you do not feel you should go there?
1: No, it's just that I, uh, like what I indicated before, that I was uh, being helped by CSU. So I haven't gone there. It's not that I don't trust them. No, 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 no. I need as much help as I can and uh, after I heard about the, them, I just decided to wait until my checkups that are taking place just now on t- tomorrow and Friday. Then from there I will visit them I think by next week because at the moment I'm not even in Kitunguiz, I'm not in Arara, I'm somewhere outside Arara. So I'll be visiting them because I need as much support as I can because uh, like what I indicated before that, uh, Uh, even the family right now we are not in good books soon after the death of my father because some members are actually accusing me of causing my father's death and so a lot is happening in my life and I need assistance from all corners including financial uh, social support
2: so in your uh, opinion, in your view, what can be done to ensure that uh, mental health issues are Integrated into official national peace and reconciliation processes.
1: I actually feel that uh, the government must uh, integrate mental health programs uh, uh, in every way. They must also include uh, allocate some sort of money in the in the national budget. So that this can help. Because honestly speaking, it's not me alone. We have got a cases of uh, civil servants who, who I met when I was in hospital. Different people, they have got mental cases, but they have no way to talk to. So like what I indicated before, that when I was in hospital, someone who was helped by NPRC told me about them. This means that they need more uh, funds. To to help, and also these programs must not just come to people people after they are affected. They people must be taught, even in in prison. They must visit prisons, give them pamphlets, tell them because in prison there's no one. It's not like when you're prison, you are in prison, guy, you are upenya peri after So I would urge. You uh, these organizations to go also and visit my prisons. So that they can be up, so that when they come out, running about all right and running also and And also my workshops. We know we have got a lot of workshops taking place, including some trainings, my uh, youth, my women, everyone, my residents. In these workshops, include the mental health, so that even myself as a leader, they will understand my situation. But right now, honestly speaking, this is what is happening even in my family. What will the people that I'm leading think of? One of out that will lose a power or something like that. So, we need to take up these uh, trainings. If there's a training, someone who is training people to become counselors or to become therapists, myself and I will recruit other members from Kitungiza Residence Trust to go and get this training so that we can help uh, other people. Because honestly, this is a serious situation that we are in. That's why you see people committing suicide. Sometimes, myself, I always. Feel like, what what is eating me? Well, I don't know, I do Honestly, so sometimes I don't I I'm okay. It happens to me. And what wrong with us? the platform. We saying, saying. Those are the most Because people. And my teenagers, they are killing themselves because it's mental health asangani dambu zikuwa edaba chirwere aruwa wabirwa uroa chukirwa kufoira kana asina kunga kakasangana ni matherapista asina kunga kakasangana ni zidiso iyo inuwe kwa iyo mental health muna anungosura ya just like that myself honestly if it wasn't other partners who were there for me maybe i would have killed myself because they at first it was too much but now eh, ndu kwenanti jaira but this is the situation that we are i hope this will this trainings will take place as soon as possible nationwide and the government will also allocate some funds for this i thank you
2: uh, it's such a powerful testimony from you there and i think that let's not wait until somebody is in a difficult situation let's help them before isn't that correct
1: Yes, yes, that's what I said, that we must not wait until someone is in this situation and start talking about the trainings and start talking about the advantages of uh, counseling therapies. We must do it before so that I can be able to handle any situation.
2: Thank you thank you very much this, uh, she took, she took me as our residence uh, trust executive director Alice Cavair. The same question to you uh, uh dr zerima what can be done to ensure that mental health issues are integrated into official national peace and reconciliation processes mm.
0: thank you so so from my perspective, I think we need to first demystify you know mental health and mental illness because uh, at the moment they it's like it's elitists you know like what Alice was rightly saying you know when in fact it affects everyone so I think uh there is need for us practitioners who are in the mental health field to work seriously on demystifying mental health simplifying it and so that everybody appreciates because people don't seem to know that a problem. Mafungiro Ake, Anaya emotionally. So so we need to do the in, uh, in order to, to integrate you know mental health into this uh, peace building initiative. Let's simplify mental health issues even and even our messages can be translated into local languages so that you cannot cut mental health Saka like people should then you know at that point people should, should then be able to understand and everybody will then be able to appreciate because as it is we obviously blame our our leaders and all in the government that is fine but the truth is that even the ordinary person does not appreciate why because mental health is still like it's too mystified in this country so we need to demystify it simplify it and uh, make it easy for everybody to understand i think at that point then be able to easily integrate it into every facet of our life and uh, as part of demystifying let's normalize talking about it let's normalize talking about mental illness let's normalize talking about how it can be treated how people can end up in drug drug abuse and how people can end up committing suicide like what alice was saying because of these problems let's let's have the messages
3: everywhere
0: uh, on radio on television a uh, bus stop, say you remember, you know, you remember Larry Wenda uh, at the height of HIV and AIDS pandemic. So, everybody would understand these issues. The same thing should happen with mental health and mental illness and how these things can be integrated into peace building initiative. Let's have them everywhere so that nobody will escape the message. In very simplified terms, and also how this is very critical in peace building initiative. We are seeing banners about peace every even at our bus stops. But that element of mental health, I school do this way every time when they talk about uh, peace building.
2: And then uh, finally, Dr. Muchena, uh, the same question. Uh, in just three minutes, can you uh, contribute to that? What can be done to ensure that mental health issues are integrated into uh, official national peace and re- reconciliation processes?
3: Thank you very much, Larry, for the question. I, I think the first thing is, 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 is to accept that the, there's need for mental health programming in, in, in peace building. And secondly, it's, uh, it's also to accept that Peace building on its own cannot 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 uh, build sustainable peace or sus- peace that is uh, sustainable. Can only be possible when we integrate mental health, and I think that that's where the challenge that that uh, that's where we, we always face the challenge to say we have money to put into peace building, we have money to put into into in pro- other programming, but we we don't seem to have money to put into mental health. Why? Because. We think that anyone who is mentally health, who has got a mental health issue, or who has got mental illnesses might is not going to die, which is not true. We have seen the rising of suicide cases. These are pure mental health issues. And as a psychologist, the principle in psychology is that I better listen to a problem than attend your funeral. But because people are more concerned with the physical health, with injuries, with the amputations with whatever physical physical challenge that, that people experience when they experience violence but they don't look at the mental the damage that, that that is caused by 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 this violence to the mental health of of the individual so my, my 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 rally cry is that we need to be able to assess effectively the extent to which mental health is to which violence affects the mental health of people. We're still talking about Gukura Wundi. We're still talking about, about War Veterans. This is 40 years after independence. Why? Because we never had a proper program of reintegration of of, of working with mental health in, within, within those groups. And we'll continue to have this. I, one thing that I can tell you honestly is we'll continue to have this discussion even 10, 15 years to come. Why? As long as we don't Take mental health as a serious thing, as long as we, we believe that mental health sits at the peripheral. The moment someone has mental health issues, But but is it true? Yes, Chuan, why? But but how Chuan say we've got professionals who can actually work with you, we can work with you these societies to, to 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 go through this process, to build confidence, to behave to better societies that can actually be, be healthy in terms of their mental health. So let's have proper. Let's have uh, my I, I station, government,
1: your government station. It's everybody's station.
3: FM Stereo. Government should should make a deliberate call to say every programming that government does includes a mental health aspect. And a mental health. And, and and I think one of the things that we also need to take into consideration is that the issue of lived experiences. People like Alice should be able to sit in discussions that discusses mental health issues. Why? Because they've gone through the system. They know what it takes to be, to, be mental, to, to experience this. So they can share their ideas, they can share their experiences, and also that helps others. So I think government should be able to make a deliberate call to involve everyone on, 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 on to, onto the program so that, but also civil society and NGOs should also come, come in and support government initiatives.
2: Well, th- thank you very much. That's the voice of the, the the consultant at the National Transitional Justice Working Group, that is Kwaeshe Muchena. I'd also like to thank uh, Dr. Herbert Zerima, who also joined us today, as well as Alice Kovea, who is, uh, is a Residence Trust Executive Director. And I'm hoping that the message that we were able to share with uh, you at home uh, was able to uh, get, get to, 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 to you as much as possible. Thank you very much to the guests for joining me. Stay tuned to ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, I'm back with you on Wednesday. Otherwise, take care of yourself and the people that you love. As I say, from where I come from, my name is Larry Quiriraya. I see you, Take care of yourself.
1: We stereo.